you're not scared to fail, if you're willing to fail quickly, but learn from it, you really can level up. And again, failures is, is not something that I see as like, as a, as a negative thing. I see it as learning experiences. The future of dentistry belongs to the innovators. Welcome to Innovation in Dentistry. I'm your host, Sean Zayas, and I believe that the future of dentistry is going to be unbelievably great over the next decade and two decades, but the question isn't that. The question is, are you gonna be part of what makes dentistry great? Okay, so I could not be more excited today to be with Dr. Glenn Vo of the Nifty Thrifty Dentist. <laughs> I said that wrong. Nifty Thrifty Dentist. No, you did you did awesome there. And I will tell you what, I mean, um, look, I'm excited about this too. I, I was I was worried about not being able to speak because I've been wanting to get on this podcast. I was so excited. And here I am. And Sean, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Hey, you bet, Glenn. So, you know, innovation in dentistry, it can mean so many different things. Are we talking about technological innovations? Are we talking about clinical innovations? And at the heart of it, before any of that happens, there's some crazy person that says, <laughs> why, why not me? Like, why can't I be the one that pioneers positive change? And Glenn, I started this podcast because I know the future of dentistry is going to be great. But my question isn't, is it going to be great? It's that is the listener that's hearing this, are they going to be part of what makes it great? Or are they just going to stay on the sideline and watch as trailblazers like you continue to <laughs> create innovation? Um, so I'm curious, we're going to get into lots of different topics, but yeah. what even got you into dentistry in the first place? Well, um, well, I love that question. And um, there's so many ways I can answer that. But, um, you know, I'm not going to give you the story where I was like a little kid and I had an experience at the dental office. And I knew I always wanted to be a dentist. If you want that story, you got to bring my wife on because that's her story. Like she's always wanted to be a dentist ever since she was a little kid. But that's not me. Right. That's not me. Really, the, what got me into dentistry was I graduated college. I was, uh, you know, I spent like six months in Belize working at my friend's a dive shop and just having a good time. And then after that, I decided, well, I got an adult. I got to be an adult here. And well, what's, what's something good to do? And I thought, well, maybe a hospital administrator. It sounds like a, a good, you know, good job. So I was like, okay, well, let me pick a place that I've always wanted to go to. And that was Maine. Okay. So I went and I did a master's program up in Maine, like the furthest place away from Texas. And I was up there. And I remember during my winter break, my sister, who's a dentist, she was like, Hey, I need uh, an assistant. My assistant's out. She's on vacation. Can you come down and help me out? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to hang out with my big sister, make a couple of bucks. Why not? So took the bus down from Maine all the way down to Virginia. And then I was helping her during winter break. And so I remember this like yesterday. I was assisting her on a filling. She stopped what she was doing. She looked me straight in the eye and said, Glenn, do you want to be a loser for the rest of your life? And I looked at her, I'm like, what? Like, I was offended. And you know what? I was assisting. And so the patient looked up too, because she wanted to know, do I want to be a loser? So everyone was looking at me. Do I? And I said, no, I don't. And then she, then she stopped what she was doing. Then she looked at me again. She's like, the reason why I brought you down here is because I wanted you to see if this is something that you could do with your life. Because you have so much more potential, Glenn. 
I mean, yes, hospital administration, but I feel like you have the potential to be a dentist. And that really was what pushed me into dentistry because I was never really interested in, in teeth, but I was interested to in the person attached to the teeth. And so she showed me, it was like, look, dentistry is more than teeth. It's about relationships. You like relationships. You like educating people. You like connecting with people. And so from there, I started getting into dentistry, learning more and Honestly, the rest is history. So I always joke around that big reason why I became a dentist was because my big sister was hazing me, making fun of me. But really, she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. She saw the potential of really doing some good in the profession that she loved using my kind of God-given gifts of being able to connect with people. So that's, that's really the story. It's not like, uh, like I knew right away. It was something that someone pointed out to me. And then I, I saw a, kind of like an avenue to really help other people. So in front of the patient, in front of the patient, literally like the patient, like we were working and the patient just looked up too, like, do you, do you, we're, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to hear you say if you're a loser too, you know, if you want to be a loser the rest of your life. And so again, we still joke around at my sister. I'm super close with her. In fact, I um, probably got to meet her later today, but um, only a big sister, only an older sibling, only a sibling could say something so rude, right? And make it connect, right? Like that's that's the power of siblings. Uh, I agree. I have a brother and sister that are 13 months older. They're twins. And their ability to, yeah, speak into your life oh, yeah. <laughs> is unparalleled. So tell me about it. So you get into dentistry, uh, you graduate. What was surprising uh, in those first few years that maybe you didn't expect? Because I'm always so curious because I think yeah. dentistry it's something that you can never fully understand the the craziness of all of it um, because uh, schools don't prepare you for it. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. try, but they don't, they don't. <laughs> so all of a sudden you're thrust into it and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, what did I get into? So what was surprising for you? Well, you know, the thing is what's so unique about dentistry over any other health profession, any other profession is that you are, working with people that are in a very vulnerable state, right? Mm -hmm. They're in a very vulnerable state, number one, but also you're, you're using your brains, what you learned in school, but you're also using your hands as well. So again, you know, in healthcare, yeah, you, you're dealing with patients who are vulnerable. Maybe they're sick, maybe they, they, they're having some issues and, and, and they have to put themselves out there. We get that in dentistry, but at the same time, we have to navigate that, but also navigate our hand skills as well, right? You gotta, you gotta do that. So it's almost like being an artist and therapist at the same time, but also a scientist. So you add all those things in there. On top of that, if you own a practice, you're a business owner as well, right? You're a leader as well as you have your team. So for me, when I, when I got out of school and they said, okay, here's your diploma and you're gonna work in this practice and we're gonna compensate you well. All right, now see the patients. It was pretty overwhelming in the beginning because, again, we had to add all those things together, which, again, you learn how to be a dentist in school. You learn how to talk to patients in school, but then they don't teach you how to manage a team. Even if you're working for someone, you have an assistant that you're, you know, delegating tasks to and working with, right? You're working with a front office. So all those things. So that's what makes dentistry so unique. You know, um, you're a healthcare provider. You're a business person at the same time. You're an artist as well that's using their hands. And so that's why it makes it, uh, you know, it's, it's rewarding, but it also can be stressful as well. 
No, I, I agree. Um, my good friend, Dr. Allison House, I remember when I finally connected, I'm like, wait a second. So you need to like know everything an MD knows, but at the same time, you're like, you're a surgeon because you have to be clinically competent to actually perform these surgeries. And at the same exact time, since you're not part of um, some corporate expression, it, I mean, you might be, but most, most of them still aren't. Um, that means you still need to understand some small business understanding. Yeah. Now, thankfully, there's demand. <laughs> like, thankfully, yeah. there's demand. Uh, but still, I was blown away. I was like, man, I think being a dentist is probably one of the most challenging um, enterprises to have to navigate. So tell me, when did you, so you get, you graduate. Yeah. Um, do you start off, uh, you know, as an associate? Do you start off in like a corporate expression? Um, yeah. Do you eventually work your way into private practice? What, what was your journey like? You know, so I knew that when I um, when I graduated, I wanted to get as much experience as possible. So when I looked at all the opportunities, you could be an associate at a private practice and learn the business there and have like a kind of a nice cushy schedule, or you could get just thrown in the deep end and work for like a corporate office and see a whole bunch of patients. Well, I chose the latter. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to dive right in. I want to look at the next two years of my life as like an extension of school, right? It's like residency, something getting paid. So the, um, I worked at a company called South Texas Dental. And the reason why I went there, it's a corporate office and there's a lot of other corporate offices there. But for me, um, and this is something that has served me well in my, my career uh, in dentistry, outside of dentistry and just relationships in general, it's all about people, right? So it's all about relationships. The, one of the owners is someone I just vibed with. He had a similar background, you know, came from nothing, worked his way up. He was flipping burgers at his parents, like burger place. They own a burger place. And then he was able to build this like amazing company. So I was like, okay, I want to learn from that guy because we have a similar kind of background. Mm -hmm. And that was the big thing. So that's the reason I went over there. But literally I did work my butt off. I did work my butt off. And, but I learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes. I learned a lot. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, how can I, how can I level up? What's the fastest way? They ask me, what's the fastest way, Glenn, to level up? The fastest way to level up is to make a bunch of mistakes, man. It's just to dump, jump in there. You know, like that's the fastest way that you can catch up to someone who has, let's say they have like 10 years of experience on you, right? How do you catch up to someone? They have 10 years of experience on you. The way you catch up to them is get as, as many reps under you as possible. And that's what I wanted to do. And so did two years there. <clears throat> and then after that, I opened my own practice. I opened my wife's a dentist as well. And we opened our practice. It was a startup. And I opened the startup during probably one of the worst times in history. It was during the real estate crash. And for those who are, you know, old enough to remember back in 2007, 2008, I mean, people were losing their jobs, losing their homes. I mean, it was crazy. But I didn't pay attention to that. I just opened the practice. And I thought to myself, huh. It was a little bit harder than I thought. Really, that was my, <laughs> my attitude. I was like, oh, this is a little bit harder. And as I got my reps under me, and again, like the first the first month was kind of rough. Like we were in the red, but after that, we made a profit right after this because I just in that in that kind of like atmosphere, you just had to hustle. And I was used to hustling anyways from my background, right? So um, so then it just got better and better. And so I tell a lot of people, like, whenever you're just throwing in the fire. And, and these are for the people who opened during COVID. I tell them, look, when I went through that housing crash, 
like there was nothing that's going to phase me after that. And I tell people when they open during COVID, you, you're probably never going to get anything like that. If you can survive that, you can survive anything. And so that's just kind of like the story there. So for, for me, it's like, it's something that I've always learned is, is if you're willing to, if you're not scared to fail, if you're willing to fail quickly, but learn from it, you really can level up. And again, failures is, it's not something that I see as like as a as a negative thing. I see it as learning experiences, right? Because um, the best lessons are the ones you learn on, on your own and where you failed. So, Glenn, that literally is like the highest performing uh, people that I've talked to. That is the mindset, and it blows me away because, uh, especially coming from a dentist, failure, especially clinically, means yeah. high liability um bad outcomes and that just seems like a recipe for disaster but yet (laughs) on the business front failure simply means uh another chance to learn so you're able to iterate and yet i don't have clinical failures i'm not a dentist and i still can't stand uh the idea of endeavoring to do something and it missing the target it falling short it not panning out the way i wanted um, so my biggest thing for five years, Glenn, I tried learning in the boardroom yeah. in the land of theory. And, uh, every single time I was about to, and it probably wasn't five years, but it seemed like a very long time. Yeah. Um, I kept trying to dial up the home run and dial up the thing that certainly would work. And as you know, there, there is no such thing. So I robbed myself of years of actually getting to find out what the marketplace would have said to my ideas simply because I didn't have the backbone, the, the cojones to just ship, to ship creative work that I was working on and let the marketplace say, eh, tweak it, or mm, that's actually really good. But, and that's where that uh, mindset has been one I've had to struggle so much to lay a hold of. And the fact that you got it, that's why I feel like there's some aspect of the one and only Glenn Vo that's slightly an <laughs> anomaly because, um, being a risk averse is incredibly common in that, um, you know, the dental brain that's doing due diligence and being really thorough, um, and being very calculated, um, and being very meticulous. And then all of a sudden the entrepreneur visionary is like, you know, you can have 10 years of experience or you can have one year that literally has 10 years of work experience in it because of the reps. And I feel like that's kind of what you did. Now, did you know going into dentistry that you were kind of this, this entrepreneur at the time? Um, Was that something that was in you? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, again, just uh, coming from from my background, I, um, you know, my family immigrated here um, in 1976 uh, from Vietnam. And I was actually pregnant with, uh, my mom was pregnant with me. So I, I barely made the cut, right? Like, so she, she moved to the States. And I was born here. And so, you know, with growing up in a family, uh, immigrant family of like, you know, four other siblings, five kids, right? Um, it, it's, it's, first of all, it's tough enough for any, any family if they had that many kids, right? But much less like an immigrant family. Um, so I was used to just making do with what I had, but also just trying to be resourceful. And so for me, because I had that background, I was always resourceful, whether it was in, you know, when I was in college and I had to work two jobs, working as a dental assistant and waiting tables. I wait tables because I knew, 
like I could do it on the weekends and I could always get like, I can always pick up extra shifts if I needed. So I was already in that mentality of like, look, I, this is what I had. This is the cards I was dealt with and what else do I have to lose? Right. So that has always kind of followed me, even, you know, when I opened the practice, right. Opening the practice and people are saying, I don't know about this is the best time to do it. Hey, I've always wanted to open a practice. The best time to do it is, is right now. Right. Uh, going through issues where I, I saw patients who you know, they lost their job, they can only do a certain amount of dental work, being able to work with them. So, so for me, I've always had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit because it was born out of necessity, right? Mm-hmm. It, when you don't have much and you need to get more, you become resourceful and you become an entrepreneur, whether you like it or not. So um, I would never trade in my experiences growing up and it's funny uh i was talking to my wife the other day i was like man i can't really put my son in the same situation because that'd be like child abuse right like i can't do that but i do want to put him in situations where he has to be resourceful and in a different way and so for me i I just feel that um those are like the hardships i had they were lessons they were it was the school of hard knocks, right? Sometimes the school of hard knocks gives you the best lessons, lessons you'll never learn in, in actual school. So to answer your question in a, in a long way, um, I just had to be an entrepreneur out of necessity. I'm sorry. I'm just like taking this in right now because <laughs> everything you're saying um, is that like vocal expression of what you've, um, I don't know, just come to understand yeah. that has allowed, again, it's been like the birthplace of why you're able to do what you've done. And that's where, um, that's why you can lead. That's why you can pioneer um, because you, you you weren't stuck in some of those boxes. Um, and like you said, some of it you attribute simply because the hardships of growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember Gary V was just saying when it comes to parenting, he's like, look, if you raise your kids in the zoo, they're going to get mauled when you release them into the jungle. Um and, and there's this balance and this challenge of like, well, you don't want them to get mauled too early. Yeah. Uh, how, do, how do you not cushion every blow so that they can grow? And in that same exact way, like, again, I, I started this podcast because between the lines of what we're saying, the listeners right now know what it is inside of them where they're like, oh, man, I could step up. I could do that. That's a dream of my heart. But the time's not right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not ready yet, but I can't guarantee there's going to be success. And here you are. And you're like, well, there was no better time. I mean, it was a terrible time to start a practice Glenn, but at the same exact time, like you just knew if I just dive in and give it my best, uh, no matter what I'm going to, if I fail, I fail forward. And that, that's the whole, one of the concepts I love. If you're going to fail, you're failing forward. So tell me twice. Now you've said, um, you just knew that you had the ability to connect with others and you knew that you were good with relationships. So is that something you took from like early on middle school, high school? And you're like, okay, this is one of my strengths you identified early on. Yeah. So um, I, first of all, I love everything you just said there because um, you know, look, everyone has a different experience, right? Maybe you're an immigrant from another country so you can understand the immigrant mentality. Um most people can understand being broke, right? At one time, I don't care how wealthy you are. At one time, you yourself have been broke, right? Your parents might have money, but you didn't have money. So what, what I, when I say immigrant mentality, it can easily be translated to 
startup mentality when you're yeah. basically working out of a WeWork or out of a coffee shop because you can't afford a, a, a you know your own office. You know, everyone can relate to that. Everyone can relate to the college student mentality where you're eating ramen noodles and just really scraping by. It's really just tapping into the where you came from, which is so important. Always remember where you came from, no matter how high you go. If you go back to where you came from, that will ground you. They'll they'll keep you, you know, uh, uh, you know, having that gratitude in your heart. You'll always remember that. So as far as like what, what you just asked me right there, um, you know, again, it's just it goes back to uh, just, you know, my experience. But also, you know, you have to look at your what your strengths are. And for me, um, again, I used to wait tables all the time. I mean, I, I, I always joke around like if I had only two real jobs in my life, maybe three now, but at the longest time, two real jobs. And that was waiter and dentist. Right. And I'll never I'll never give up that experience because when you're working in the restaurant industry, you have to think on your feet mm. and you literally have to have rapport with someone you've never met within two minutes. Like within two minutes, Sean, I have to like be your buddy so that I can sell you what's on the specials and a bottle of wine, right? Like I literally have to connect with you. And so that actually kind of, because I had those reps working in the restaurant industry, like that being able to talk to people came natural. And then when I got into dentistry, where I had to build rapport with someone like literally, Sean, I have to get on, get in good with you because I'm about to look at your teeth. And I'm about to ask you some questions that maybe you don't want to answer or you feel really, you know, uh, you know, insecure about. And so th it's those type of things that really set it up. And because of my personality and th there's a reason why I worked in the restaurant industry for a long time, because I was comfortable there. Not everyone can work in a restaurant. They, they might rather work in retail or something. So so I think because I had that natural ability and then I seeked out uh, jobs that kind of focused on it that that made me more comfortable so again it's uh it's not just like you're born like hey i can just talk to anyone you have to get again going back to you have to get the reps too well in my research one of the things i came across and i don't know if it's still the number one thing but i was trying to figure out why do patients leave a practice and one of the things i found out when i was researching is that they just experience a general sense of indifference yeah. um meaning they didn't sense a connection to the dentist, to the team. And it's like, if you strip away everything, it's just like human to human, they didn't sense belonging. So your superpower of getting to be able to see them, build rapport and get connection, um, not only does that have massive ROI when it comes to the patient, but I imagine working for you as a team member was also amazing. So, so you have team members that feel seen, that feel like they belong, that feel connected, and now all of a sudden can release this culture that you've established, and now they can help the patient also feel connected and seen. I mean, I, I don't know if you knew that this was gonna be such a superpower in dentistry, but that is 100% how you grow a dream practice, is you actually care about patients yeah. as people. Well, uh, and I'll say this, one of my most requested uh, presentations is, is about team culture. Mm -hmm. And I and I tell everyone, you don't have to be an extrovert. 
you don't have to have like a big personality like a, like an Elijah Desmond or, or someone like that, right? You don't have to be like that. You actually can be an introvert. You could actually be someone who's really quiet and still connect with their team. And then people are like, well, how, how do you do that? Well, people, there, there's two things that, that, that people care about. They care about their own dreams and they care about other people who pay attention to them, right? Those are the two things. Like they, they want to be, they want you, they want you to know, you know, care for them and also care for their hopes and dreams, right? That can easily be solved by, again, just literally just whenever you hire someone, this is as easy as this. Whenever you hire someone say, hey, you know, we do this thing in our practice. We, we like to do a gift exchange and we like to be thoughtful. And we always have everyone fill out this questionnaire. And literally the questionnaire could be about their favorite things. What's your favorite drink at Starbucks? What's your favorite socks? What's your favorite, uh, you know, fast food place? All these things. I have all new team members fill that out because you know what creates a connection is when Sean, I buy you a coffee, but is it the exact drink you want? And not just some random drink that may, Hey, I don't like Frappuccinos, Glenn. It's thoughtful, but thank you. But what if I bought you the one you wanted? I did it all the time. You don't have to know everything about everyone. You just need to create a database of what they like. And then as far as hopes and dreams, a big thing that we do in our practice is something called a vision board, right? Simple enough. We've done vision boards before. But the reason why I like to have my team do vision boards is because when I reward them, I reward them with things that are on their board. You want to you wanna be in shape this year, right? Your goal is to lose those last 10 pounds. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe instead of saying, hey, you know, here's a, you know, 50 bucks or here's a couple hundred bucks. We're doing a good job for a bonus. Hey, you know what? I got you. I actually paid for your gym membership for like the rest of the year, right? Like I want to get you, I want you to get that goal. Or let's say, for example, you know, a big part of your, your, your goal is to travel, right? So maybe as a team, I take you guys to the dental festival in New Orleans because you've never been to New Orleans before. So again, how do you connect with people? You give them, you connect with people through memories, Think about Sean, think about growing up. Think about your fondest memories as a kid, right? Did it involve you getting this toy you always wanted? Did it involve you getting like some money for your folks? No, it involved probably a trip with your siblings and you guys really had some fun and you look back that with fondness. That is what people carry. And if you understand that as a practice owner, that it's all about memories, that's all about being thoughtful, you'll always have that connection with your team members, but also your patients as well. I make a note whenever they uh, had a, a patient who just recently got back from Ghana and I put that in the notes, like about to go to Ghana and whatnot. When I saw him again, I was like, hey, how did Ghana go? Whoa, I didn't realize you remember that. I was like, yeah, I've been waiting for you to tell me about that. It's those things that that really connect with patients. Man, like, so it's like, the way I keep thinking about this is like from the inside out. A lot of people want to know the outside hacks or tips or tricks, um, something simple about how you can, I don't know, connect with your patient better. And yet it's like at the heart of it, you're just talking about caring about people, like yeah. actually being interested. And yet I don't, ugh, I don't want to slam dentistry when I say it. you just don't sound like a dentist, Glenn. I, I, I got to um, tell you a funny story on that. I got to tell you, and real quickly, I got to tell you a funny story. So um, I, I'm a big fan of the Colby assessment. 
the Colby assessment. Basically, it's a test you take and it, it pretty much tells you how you approach problems, right? Mm. So you can't fail it. It's like, it's just how you approach problems. I had the president of the associate Colby Association on my podcast. And he was like, Glenn, I will only go on your podcast if you take the test and let me go over your results. I was like, what? On air? He was like, yes. He does it. And he looks at me and says, man, you shouldn't be a dentist. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, it was like, I don't mean that in a bad way. I was like, your, your personality is more suited for this other industry. You can be a dentist and you can be successful, but your skills... It's not dentist-like. Like, people don't look at it that way. So anyways, I wanted to share that with you. Uh, I thought that was so funny because the guy was like, um, you shouldn't be a dentist, you know? thought it was kind of funny. So 2008, here you are. You're with your wife. You start the practice. Um, is it a year later? Is it five years later? Is it seven years later? When does Nifty Thrifty yeah. get born in your mind? And, and what's the context surrounding it at its infancy? Yeah, so... Um, and this is the reason why I was so excited to get on your podcast, right? Because I think a lot of times people have a, like this epiphany, right? Like you, you, you've uh, interviewed so many great dental entrepreneurs and it was just a moment in time where they're like, oh, I'm just going to do this. Well, Nifty Thrifty literally was something I, I literally kind of stumbled into. Kind of like how I got into dentistry. I just kind of got stumbled into it. I was working with a coach and it was about just kind of making the culture of my practice better. I'm the type of person I want to get better all the time. Uh, that's like my goal in life is just to level up. And then when we were done, she looked at me, she was like, Hey, what's next? I'm like, what do you mean what's next? I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, grow the practice and, you know, hopefully just retire and drink pina coladas on the beach one day. Right. And she was like, you know, I just feel like you have so much more potential. I feel like you have so much more potential to do some good in this, in this industry. And I think you really should look at it. And really that was the a seed was planted in my head. A seed was planted in my head that, you know what, instead of just affecting everyone in the four walls of my practice, everyone being my team and my patients, I want to expand that and really impact people within the confines of the dental industry. And that's really how Nifty Thrifty Dentist started. Started with someone just kind of, you know, I was, I'm blessed enough that people just saw more in me than I saw in myself. My sister being one of them, my coach being another, and and uh, and I'm lucky enough to that I run into people who who see those things. And uh, for those who are um, listening to this right now, and, and they're like, "Well, no one's ever said anything to me like about doing something more," I tell you then that maybe you're in the wrong room. You know, maybe you're surrounded by the wrong people. You know, maybe you're you're surrounded by people who just kind of see the worst and kind of want to keep them keep you at their level or. Or maybe, maybe they're trying to keep you safe because they're scared of you hurting yourself by failing. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the path for you. And it's okay that people care about you. They don't want you to take risks because they don't want you to get hurt. But that's their insecurities. They're just putting it on you. So uh, for those who are listening, uh, if, if people are not saying, like, you should do more, maybe you're in the wrong room. Maybe you need to be surrounded by a different set of people. And I was just blessed enough that those people were already in my life. That's amazing. Seriously, <laughs> like that's like the vision I see is that I look to the left and I look to the right of me and I see so many people, um, good friends of mine, uh, individuals like yourself, Glenn, that are advancing dentistry. And yet at the same exact time, when I look to the left and the right, I see vacancies where people are 
not owning that that space that only they can occupy. Um, they're not owning that unique light that only they can shine when they just step into that alignment of this is who I am. These are my giftings. These are my strengths. This is the these are the problems I see. And I always tell people to go back to the pain because it's like so many times it's when we realize, man, um, something's not happening here, or this is frustrating, or why is it like that? That all of a sudden we realize we have a chance to bring a solution, to to bring value. Um, and I love what you just said about the people you hang out with, because sometimes all people need um, is just permission, like permission to dream and permission to actually take that first step. And almost everyone I've talked to, Glenn, nobody was like, you know what? I had this perfect plan and this is exactly how I saw all of it ending up. They were like, you know what? Something presented itself and I saw the obvious next step. And even amidst uncertainty and questions and imposter syndrome, I simply took that step. Yeah. You know, so, okay. So <laughs> she gives you permission. She <laughs> says, why not something else? Yeah. What happened after that? Yeah. So um, literally I had a Facebook group um, called Dental Garage Sales, the first group I, I started. And, and this is where I got the idea. So I had that dental garage sale and really it was because my wife, uh, she was like, you have too many extra like dental products and equipment. You need to get it out of our storage, right? So literally I started out of a necessity. And then what happened was people in the group were like, well, hey, what's the best place to buy this? And what's the best place to do this? And they were asking about their practice. And I was like, wait, this is like a buy sell group. It's not really a community. And then I realized there was a need for that. And again, just my natural instinct to connect people together. We started Nifty Thrifty Dentist, bring different vendors on, connect them with the dental professionals, dental professionals coming in there and really sharing their story. Me sharing my story about opening a practice in the middle of like the housing crisis and, and what I did just being resourceful. And literally that's why how Nifty Thrifty kind of came about. But what ended up happening is, is again, all about leveling up and, and impacting more people. Nifty Thrifty just turned into, then we had the podcast, then we did our events. Then I just wanted to reach more people. I started Dental Lifestyles Magazine, started speaking. And so again, all these things came from just the core why of, I just want to help as many people as possible. I want to be a service of others. And the success, the money, whatever, it's going to come. You, you lead with value, everything is going to sort itself out. And really, that's that's really, again, um, how I kind of started everything. It really just came from just the need to, to impact more people, to use my skills, my, my ability to connect with, because not every dentist wants to talk to someone with certain vendors or what companies, uh, maybe they don't know how to approach them, maybe they just are too busy, but I was able just to do that for my fellow dentists and lead with value. And, and literally that's, that's, I mean, as simple as it sounds, that really is it. I mean, I tell people my business is based on relationships. That's really all it is. Oh, you don't, you're not doing this or you're not teaching them a certain technique. No, it's really about relationships. I, if you need something, I already know who those people and I just introduce you and I connect you guys together. That's literally my business. But that's also you getting to be in that sandbox yeah. um, of 
your gift. Like, you, yeah. you know, you don't have to strive and it's not even performance <laughs> for you, right? It's just, you can rest in your gift and be like, well, this is just the way I naturally am. Sean, that uh, is seriously what you just said there. When people are trying to figure out what they should do, that is literally the secret. The secret is this. Everyone has like their natural gifts, their natural passions. If you can translate that into like an industry or a way to monetize it, then you will never work a day in your life. Literally, if you just use your God, like what you're really good at and you're passionate about it, you'll never work another day. You're like, like literally, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm super busy when I'm at home, when I'm not in the office, I'm, I'm working all day, but it doesn't even feel like work. It does not even feel like work. And, and that is like the secret. One of my mentors told me that. Like, like if you can figure that out, if you can figure out, you know, just using your God-given abilities, your, your skills, it's never going to be like work. So, so that is something that I just wanted to highlight there. What you were about, you were saying is that that's the key. That's the key is just figuring that out. Okay. So roughly month and year of the garage. Yeah. Dental garage sale. The, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what time frame we talked so about? So that here? was like, so that was like 2016 and then nifty thrifty dentist literally started in 2017. Okay. So, uh, between like six to 12 months between the first iteration yeah. and then the brand of nifty thrifty. Yeah. Okay. At any point in time, did you ever like feel like, Oh crap, I, I don't know either how fast this is going, if I can handle it or how big this could be. Or, um, did you ever struggle with like, what if I am not enough? Like yeah. some sense of imposter syndrome as you're leading this. I'll, t I'll tell you what was really difficult about what I did was the fact that it was so public. Like mm. if I tried something and it didn't work, everyone saw it. Like the whole dental community saw it. Uh, and I would say that people who um, could relate to that is like, you know, Anissa Holmes, Elijah Desmond, two, two good friends of mine. Because a lot of things that Elijah did like was out there like, Hey, I'm going to do a cruise here. And what if no one showed up? Everyone's going to see it. So a lot of things I did. So that was, I would say that was like the hardest part. But for me, I just thought like, well, if something doesn't work, if this doesn't work out, you know, if maybe like after a year, people are sick of me, then, um, then I learned something and I just move on to the next thing. You know, a lot of times what people don't realize is that your first business or your first idea or your first project might not be what you're known for. And you gotta be okay with that, right? If you think about all the most successful entrepreneurs in our lifetime, they failed a whole bunch of times and they hit it on one unique thing. And people are thinking like, well, they just looked out. They just looked out into it. No, 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 it's not luck. Luck has something to play in it. But each failure leveled them up. And so someone who, um, and, and I'm not saying this guy felt a lot, but someone who everyone loves right now is Alex Homozi, right? What I would tell people when you see Alex Homozi speak right now, you're like, oh, man, this guy's amazing. But I challenge you guys to look at his very early videos when he started Gym Launch. It's like a completely different dude. Like, it's like a guy, like, I would never buy anything from that guy, right? But what you don't realize is that all the obstacles and failures that he had, it forced him to level up. So for me, if Nifty Thrifty, if Nifty Thrifty Dennis blew up in my face, then I would have learned something. I would have leveled up. 
and I've failed a lot, trust me, trying different things out within that platform. So, so for me, it was always, I always knew that um, I had no other choice than to keep working and to succeed. Like there was no other choice there. And I think for people, if you, if you tell yourself, like, if you give yourself an out, then you'll, you'll never really, you'll never really know what's possible unless you put some, you know, like some skin in the game, right? Like if you know, like, okay, this, I mess up here. Okay. I'm just going to go back to being this. I'm going to go back to being a hygienist. Well, if you don't put any stakes to it, then it's never going to mean that much to you. I mean, that is incredibly profound. Um, so just, yeah, a few thoughts. I think it was like five years ago, I started recording because I wanted to lead and I wanted to contribute and be a trainer. And I'd look at those videos and I was like, I can't <laughs> like, so here I am, I'm on camera, I'm on video and I'm comfortable, um, simply because of the reps. I remember yeah. my brother as, uh, he was an actor for a while in Hollywood even. And he came into my studio a few months back cause he wanted to start a podcast with a buddy. And I was like, well, do you want it to be video? And he's like, well, I guess, sure. And all of a sudden, the second I turned the video on, he's like, oh, man, this is so awkward. Like, this is my brother who actually, you know, did stuff kind of on some commercials before. Yeah. And here he is. He's like, how are you so comfortable? And I was like, wow, I, I somehow impressed my brother that actually had experience in this, but still realized, like, the second the camera's on and the second the lights are on, sometimes it's like, if you're not used to it, it can be difficult. Yeah. And yet I wouldn't get to a place where I was willing to do what I'm doing now if I hadn't just put in the reps. And another thing is, it's like that whole man in the arena saying, um, I think the problem is so many of us have been the critic that is on the sideline that was throwing mud at the person in the arena and was um, being unfair because, you know, in our own head, we're like, we could do it better. Yeah. But we were too cowardice to actually step in the arena. When you're in the arena, you give other people in the arena a lot of grace. <laughs> Because you realize, man, Glenn, just the fact that you stepped up. Wow. The fact that you had the courage to, to wave a flag and say, this is where I'm going. Even if it didn't work every time, the fact that you just did it and went for it. Like that is so honoring. And I, I just want to take a moment and actually honor that because dentistry wouldn't be where it's at if you hadn't just said, you know what, let me go for this. If you would have played it safe. Like you have shown so many people the road to entrepreneurship, the road to um, getting to express whatever other passion they might, they might have, uh, not to mention all the savings you've created <laughs> through Nifty Thrifty. Um, but man, what would it have been like if you just second-guessed yourself and played it safe and just stayed in your practice? Yeah, no, um, no. First of all, thank you so much for that. Um, honestly, uh, I always tell people I'm just a, I'm just a normal guy, right? I'm just a normal guy who just, um, you know, just didn't give up, right? Literally, that's what it is. But uh, one of my uh, favorite stories I like to tell people is that, uh, how I met my wife, right? And when I first met her, it wasn't like in the movies where you lock eyes with someone. It was like love at first sight. Like that was not it. Like literally, she gave me like the dirtiest look you can give a person like the dirtiest look and i remember like i'm not never going to talk to this person ever again and it wasn't until like six months later at a school function that um i looked around i went there i, I got to the function late i looked around and there was no seat available my friends didn't save me a seat because what do guys do guys uh you know guys in their 20s are very selfish they think about themselves so they're all talking to their girls right like they didn't even save me a seat and i look around the only seat available was next to my wife and I remember that she gave me a dirty look 
and I never wanted to talk to her again. And I was like, you know what? What the heck? I can either just go and just sit by myself somewhere else, or I could just take a chance and just sit with her and her friends. What, what's the worst that could happen? And um, she said, the seat, her friend said the seat wasn't taken. I sat with her and the rest was history. So if I didn't put myself out there, I wouldn't be married to, you know, my soulmate right now. And I wouldn't have two beautiful kids. So again, that's, uh, again, that's uh, a lot, a lot of times life, a lot of times life will, will continue to show you something, will continue to give you clues, right? Will continue to give you hints because the universe wants you to succeed. I truly believe that the universe wants you to succeed, but the universe is not going to give it to you. They're not going to hand it to you on a silver platter. You're going to have to get it right, but they will give you hints. They will, they will put people on your life. They will, they will put you in situations and it's up for you to take advantage of it. And for me, you know, meeting my wife like that and seeing where we are right now is proof that sometimes you have to put yourself out there. Sometimes you have to put, to take a risk because if you don't, then you never know. Okay. So I need to know, um, because I know you're a super scheduled man. Um, I can start leading the ship to wrap up. Um, it's up to you. Uh, I think, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Uh, oh, no, I need, I need know because you might be, whoops. Um, like there's a good chance you actually have something in. No, I ha I have uh well uh we can wrap it up right now if you're busy but I do have uh 30 minutes. Okay, no, I just have a few questions that. Yeah. Sorry, and, I, and, and I, sometimes I, I I because I have my own podcast I talk a lot too so. Uh, let, you no you let me off you've been doing time. amazing. No no you've been doing amazing. Um, none of my questions are ever uh, pre written down. It's just that as I'm talking to you, there's so many things coming up, and I'm like, yeah. I, I just. I want our listeners to get it because yeah. like, this is amazing. Yeah. So first question, um, from where you started to where you are at now, can you identify either a mindset that you had to embrace to get to where you're at or a mindset that you had to shed because it would have held you back? Oh man. Um, I'll tell you a big, one. or you could do both. No, no, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you a big one that I had to, 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 to shed was like the negative self-talk. And it wasn't, and I've been like, kind of like on a mission of really understanding the human psyche and personality and why we do things and, and how our um, upbringing and our history and different traumas kind of, kind of shape who we are. But for me, it was basically telling the voice in my head that the, the voice that we all have in our head that that voice, yes, they want to keep you safe. They don't want you to take risks, right? This is coming from someone who likes to take risks, right? But I still have those doubts. I still have those, that voice saying, hey, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to you know, hurt yourself like that? Are you sure you want to just you know, go through that again? And for me, when I started understanding that those voices are just voices and not facts and not commands, that's when really things started to change because look, the imposter syndrome is rooted in the fact that our brain, they just, our brain's whole purpose to keep us safe. Yeah, Self-preservation, self-preservation. It's, right? it's to survive. Like that's what's there. Hey, don't poke that bear because you might get bit. Don't, don't go and talk to, don't go and sit next to Susan because you're going to get hurt. Like you got hurt that other time. Right. So those thoughts in our head, they're not facts. And once I realized that, once I just said, it, thoughts were just 
hey, just suggestions like, hey, you know, you might want to think about that. Let me think about that. Noted, but I'm not going to listen to you. I'm just going to do that. That was like the biggest turning point in my life. Because even though, yes, I had a successful dental practice and all those things, you know, everyone suffers from that imposter syndrome. But imposter syndrome is rooted in our brain trying to keep us safe. And once you realize that, once you realize that, and once you realize those thoughts are just thoughts and not facts, you'll be able to move a lot faster. So that I would say that was probably the biggest one. There's a lot of things I can say, but I would say that was the biggest one. That is like, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting therapy right now. <laughs> um, because the way I always paint the picture is like, I dream about um, leaving the Shire if I want to go Lord of the Rings yeah, here. Yeah. I dream about the adventure to Mordor and having to save the world, but yet I'm really content in the Shire. Yeah. <laughs> and if given the option, I probably would have just stayed in the Shire. And, and yet I'm not going to have regret. Like my, my regret is going to be 100% that I played it safe. Like I know that. So that's, that's the, one of the things that I keep trying to like put in front of me everywhere. If I keep listening to the voice of self-preservation and safety, I'm going to have massive regrets because I'm going to always wonder what could have happened if I shined brighter? What could have happened if I embraced more of the unknown and let myself be wild and braved the wilderness despite not knowing if it's safe? Yeah. Who cares if it's not safe, yeah. right? Like I have a community around me. Um, and that's where I think even some dentists struggle is like, I'm already respected. I'm looked at with some sort of um, admiration in my community. If now I visibly show people that I'm trying something else, what if I fail? Yeah. And it's like you had to brave that. Elijah, like you said, Anissa. And yet at the same exact time, the reality is most people, when they start something, no one's paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> no one no one even cares. No one cares. Again, and, and, and you know, for, 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 for the, the dental professionals are listening right now, I mean, taking that next step could be learning a, a different procedure, right? Learning a procedure that you were referring to another doctor and, and, and having the doubts, like, can I really do that? Um, what if I hurt my patient or whatnot? The thing is, is if you don't try, then you're missing out. You're missing out the ability of helping a whole different subset of patients, helping your existing patients, right? Making the experience better. I always like to go back to whenever I decide, like, do I really want to do this? Um, I asked myself, like, what would the people who really care about me think? And what I mean by that is this. A lot of times, you know, I, we, we see people who are doing amazing things, whether they're athletes or maybe they're performers, and they, and they don't reach their full potential because of self-sabotage or something like that. And we look and we say, man, I really wish they really lived up to their potential. Here's the thing about potential. We don't know what our potential is. Like, there's no, like, there's no, like, I get to level 10. I can see level 10 right there. You don't know what it is. So imagine this. Imagine the people who invested in you. Imagine whether you're spiritual or not. Think about God's given, God gave you this talent. Wouldn't the best way to honor the people who believed in you, the people who supported you, wouldn't the best way to honor them is to live up to your God-given talents? I think about that all the time. 
I think about my parents just, you know, working all day long. I think about uh, what it took for my family to come over here to a different country, to a country where maybe they weren't really embraced right away because it, people were still, you know, it still had wounds from the war, emotional wounds, right? Doing that, what would be the best way to honor them than to really live up to my potential? So I think about that a lot. And for those who are watching right now, think about the sacrifices people made to get you where you were. Wouldn't the best way to honor them is to really live up to your potential? I think about that all the time. And I told my kids that too. It's like, you may think you're, you have the potential for this, but you probably have a lot more. And the best way to show me that you love me or to honor me is to really try your best. And at the end of the day, I think that's what everyone who's ever supported us wants from us, right? Try your best. But if you don't really put yourself out there, are you really trying your best? No, you're not. So something to think about as well. That is so countercultural because in our current society, honor and the ideas that you, even like of legacy, like multi-generational legacy, it's like we're so short-sighted now. No, no one talks about those things. Um, you know, and that's where it's crazy. Um, I know it's a very personal thing when someone decides like, hey, look, I don't want, if I'm gonna have a family, but I don't wanna have kids. And I'm thinking all throughout history, people made sacrifices so that even like, you know, good things got passed on through the bloodline, through the DNA, and literally it ended with you. And now you're saying, nah, I'm just gonna stop it. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to continue to um, propagate all that everyone before me has poured into to, to like my genetics, to my DNA. And I know that that's probably a, a strange way of looking at it. Um, so yours is a lot less strange. So let's just talk about what well, you said, Glenn, that's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, whether, um, whether it's, it's your own family, whether it's the, your extended family, right? Your nieces and nephews, right? Um, your cousins or whatnot. Again, you know, no one gets to where they are by themselves. Someone has, someone helped everybody. Everyone had a mentor. And for me, again, the best way to honor someone, the best way to show appreciation is to really live up to what your potential is. And the great thing about potential is we really don't know what, where our potential lies, right? We don't know. We may have the potential to do something in our career and then the potential to do something else. And that's what I love about that concept because it really promotes trying to get better every day. And when I say get better every day, I'm not just talking about being a better business person, better clinician. Um, I'm talking about everything in your life, being a better person, right? Uh, treating people better, you know, uh, growing yourself, whether it's spiritually, whether it's uh, physically or whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you have one life, right? You know, God or whoever you believe in gave you this one life. And it's up to you to really maximize it for the amount of time you have here. And that's how I approach life. And that's what really pushes me to do all these other things because I, I tell myself like, well, what if what if I can impact this one person if I did this? Because I, I've been just blessed. The, the, the biggest reward is people saying, well, man, um, you really helped open my eyes about this thing. Or you really helped me with my practice. Or you, you were just sharing your story just made me feel like I wasn't alone. That is reward enough. And that's the very reason why I want to keep pushing forward to, to impact that, the next next person down the line. Wow. So are, are you familiar with Prefontaine? No, I've heard of it, but I'm not too familiar with it. Okay. So I was a runner and 
he was a runner in the late 60s, okay. early 70s. Um, he actually passed away tragically in a car accident, but he went to the 1972 Olympics. Uh, all it to say is he was the face for young emerging Nike with Bowerman, because Bowerman was his coach at University yeah. of Oregon. And he was good enough that he could win a race, most of his races, without giving it his best. And yet, almost every time when he crossed the finish line, he would almost pass out. And people are like, why, why do you run this way? And out of that came like this saying that's on my, on my wall right there. And it says, it's to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Wow. And um, it just, I feel like it, it, it's exactly kind of, it echoes what you're saying. Um, aside from the fact that, yes, everyone's pouring into you. Everyone's believing in you. Just the other day, I gave my kids, um, I gave them each $240 uh, play money, uh, I have five kids, just so they could have $10 for every hour that they're alive during a day, right? Um, and they're like, Dad, I don't get it. What's this money for? And I'm like, well, time is money. And every hour that goes by, you just need to pay $10 um, for that hour of your life. And they're like, well, I don't get it because like this, I didn't, I didn't earn this money. <laughs> and I'm like, well, guess what? Your mom and I right now are actually investing in you, in your potential, uh, so it's almost like we're spending a certain amount of money every single day for you, but you get to choose how you invest your time because time is money. So you could play or you could read a book. You could practice piano, which is like investing in the future, or you can just mess around and check out. Um, but really, everybody has invested into someone else for them to be where they're at. And I love what you're saying. It's almost like incumbent on you to shine as bright as you can um, simply to make their investment even more worthwhile, right? Like it just honors everyone that believed in you. So my question for you, Glenn, is what's next? <laughs> well, um, gosh, you know, I have a, a, a lot of projects lined up, but um, what I'm really excited about now, right now is uh, I became a partner. Um, so I published two books and uh, the publishing house um, that published my books, uh, there was an opportunity to invest in them to become a partner. And I was like, I jumped at it because I was like, you know what? I want to give people the ability to, to really get their voice out there. And, and again, just really just impact more people. So I'm really excited about that. So what's next is I want to get more dental professionals. Uh, I want to pour more people in our industry to, to share their story, whether, whether it's uh, on my podcast or in my magazine or now in a book to share with somebody um, I want to be I want to be the uh, the vehicle that helps them get their their word out. So so that's that's the next big thing. I mean, there's always other things as well. Um, you know, working with other entrepreneurs, helping them um, helping them get closer to their dream. You know, somehow uh, that's uh, that's that's kind of like the next thing. And 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 I'll see where the relationships take me. God, that that is amazing. Okay, so I have a book in me. Um, it's dental. That means I should probably speak let's to talk. you because let's talk because I can okay. I can help you I can help you in fact I'm helping a few people, um, and a lot of times when people say okay I have a, an idea for a book I got to sit down and I got to write it and I got to do all these things there's there's so many different ways to you know fast track that that you really just need to talk right so again love to hear about that um, it would be like my honor to help you get that book published in in people's hands and. And in my hand too, like I'm excited to, to, to get it as well. So definitely can, can help you out. And of course, anyone's listening and 
and has aspirations of sharing, right? And um, you know, sharing a book, reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. Okay, so there's so many things you're doing. Uh, any of our listeners are probably like, okay, how like how do I join what he's doing? Yeah. How do I find out about? So where do you want their eyeballs to go right now? Easiest way, easiest way to get a hold of me is uh, find me on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, you can do Instagram as well. Uh, Glenn Vo. I mean, I don't, there's not that many Glenn Vos. Glenn with two N's, right? I think there's one, there's another Glenn Vo out there with one N, but two N's, Glenn with two N's. Reach out to me, shoot me a message. I'll see where I can be of service. And, you know, of course you can join the community, Nifty Thrifty Dennis. Um, you know, it's not all about saving money. It's not all about deals. It's all about community. And sometimes, you know, we, we share what's going on, our fears, our struggles, our wins. We love to hear about those things. So join the community, say hello. And then of course you can always reach out to me. Okay. So here's the final question. Uh, you're walking down the street. And off in the distance, you see 18-year-old Glenn, and you know you only have a brief moment to communicate a sentiment to him. What do you share? I go up to him and I just say, hey, you know what? Everybody who's been in your life, even if they cause you a lot of pain or harm, they're there for a purpose. They were there to help you grow better. So don't hold any of those grudges. Don't hold any negative feelings there. Just understand that no matter the interaction, it was there to help you become a better person. That's what I would tell him, because I would say that for a long period of my, my life, um, when I had some mishaps or things happened to me, I would just get down on myself like, why me? Why did this happen? Or why did that person do that? And I held on to a lot of negativity. And I would tell you the negativity, the more you hold on to negativity in your life, it, it, it shuts out. It takes up the place of positivity. So the more negative, the more anger or whatever is in your heart, it takes up that space, that, that, that space in your heart for positivity, right? So the more that you get rid of all that bad stuff, it opens your heart up for more positive influences and, and feelings. So that's what I would tell him. Okay. So Glenn, I met you back in April of 21 and we didn't talk a ton of that smiles at sea, uh, a little bit of a business, yeah. you know, conversation. Yeah. And I've known about you, but I have to say, like, I've just been blown away getting <laughs> to actually um, find out who Glenvoe is. And it's been so easy to honor you as a pioneer and an innovator, but I'm also so shocked by the level of humility you have, um, the crazy generosity of spirit that you contain, that you have, that you just want to pour out. And that's all you've been doing on this podcast. And that's why I'm so thankful I've had this time because you just continue to pour out like gold nugget after gold nugget of uh, mindsets and really gifts to our listeners so that they can level up. Um, seriously, thank you so much for letting me interview you today. Well, Sean, thank you so much for, I mean, having me on. Uh, again, uh, I've been following you for quite some time since that initial meeting. And I just love... Um, content you're putting out and i just love the uh, enthusiasm that you have and that's the thing like for me it's like um you know that type of like um you know abundance mindset you know it, it, it attracts me so again when when you said that you gave me the offer to jump on the podcast absolutely i was going to be a part of it so thank you for giving me the opportunity thanks glenn thanks for listening and be sure to follow so you never miss an episode 
To learn more about what's going on in dentistry, check out innovationindentistry.com.